0: Hey everybody, this is Mike Matarazzo, host of Kitchen Brain Podcast. Today's show, I am talking to Jeff Potter. Jeff Potter is the executive chef at 610 Magnolia by Edward Lee down in Louisville, Kentucky. And we have a really good conversation about uh, what 610 Magnolia has been doing during the COVID pandemic, kind of what the scene is down there in Louisville, and talk a little bit more uh, to Jeff about What it's like to be the executive chef of a restaurant like 610 Magnolia with such a big headliner name like Edward Lee uh, on the front. And uh, it's a great talk. Hope you enjoy it. Kitchen Brain Podcast, Season 1, Episode 4. Here we go. Kitchen Brain. I am here with Chef Jeff Potter. Uh, chef Jeff Potter is a pretty pretty uh, important person to me. He was uh, a team member of mine at Farmington when I first started there. He was uh, a cook in our fine dining restaurant and uh, moved over to the saucier position uh, before he, he moved on to the next chapter in his career. Uh, he is now the executive chef of 610 Magnolia, one of Edward Lee's restaurants down in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, you know couldn't be more proud of his progress. I, I definitely can't take credit for uh, you know everything that he's done and accomplished and where he is now. But um, you know it was it was great working with him, and I wanted to have him on this show. Uh, you know, as as I say about about Kitchen Brain, you know, I, I could have called Jeff and said, "Hey, man, could you could you get me an interview with Edward Lee?" Uh, and, and I'm, I'm sure he could have, and I probably will in the future. Uh, but you know, I, I, I really want to emphasize the fact that, you know, even though there is, uh, maybe a big headliner behind the brand and, and, and the brand wouldn't exist without that headliner, like Edward Lee, there are chefs in the trenches, uh, and, and people doing, you know the the real hard work of of getting this stuff out and and making the visions come to life and creating a lot of those visions and jeff is one of those guys so you know i i don't think it's uh i don't think it's right to to not have him on the podcast you know i think that uh you know he's he's one of the people that are that are making it happen every day for a really great and big name restaurant so i wanted to showcase that and have him on and talk to him kind of about his pathway uh and i'll let him talk more about his journey in the culinary world, so uh, how you doing there, chef?
1: doing chef good, good to be
0: good, here. yeah, awesome to have you man um you know it's it's great to see kind of your path uh since we parted ways and and where you are now it's it's phenomenal to me um so yeah, really Crazy. really happy that you what's that?
1: It doesn't really seem that long ago. It seems
0: like just yesterday. <laughs> no, re- I mean, really, you know, I started uh, at Farmington six years ago. So, you know, I mean, I guess it really wasn't that long ago, but uh, a lot happens in six years. So it- it's, uh, it's, it's amazing uh, where you're at now. And, and I'm really excited that you're here talking to me and, and telling everybody what you guys do. So um you know tell us tell us about your your background. I mean I I only know you from when you started at Farmington and uh you know you were working in the in well at that time it was Northside right was the name of the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um so you are working at Northside and uh we got to work together on the line a couple of times. I think you you bailed me out uh a couple of times from going down uh which which I won't forget and I'm not afraid to admit it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, tell, tell us about your, your background, where you started in the industry, why you started in the industry, and kind of what, what, what happened along the way.
1: Um, well, I honestly didn't think I was going to be in this industry. There wasn't really a plan to do it. Um, but late in high school, I started, uh, I guess, watching Food Network late at night, uh, and then watching shows like Good Eats and Iron Chef America. It just, it just really intrigued me. Uh, and I really just couldn't take my eyes off of it and just seeing what they could do in just an hour. I mean, obviously now that I know it's it's TV and a lot of it's edited, but back then just to see where what you could do with food, uh, it really interested me. So um, I wanted to go to college, I knew that, um, but I didn't want to just get a culinary degree uh, I heard that uh, you could possibly get pigeonholed if that's all, you, if that's the only degree that you have. Uh, so I decided to go to UVA um, with, for music um, and just go ahead and get a bachelor's degree in that just to have something to fall back on, uh, just in case I didn't know where this career was gonna take me. Uh, I worked a couple of jobs when I was in high school, um, helped out at the baseball diamonds uh, for the bands there was a local bistro, um, kind of like down the street of my house. Uh, that was kind of my first job, and then um, I got to work at Cheesecake Factory, um, and that was kind of like my first big restaurant job, just to see how big of an operation and scale uh, that is. And I don't, I still don't think I've worked in uh, a kitchen as big as that one, especially as big as their menu is. Um, but it, it definitely got me. Uh, with the itch to um, just start learning more as I can Uh, and to be perfectly honest once I uh, left uh, UVA uh, and then I was looking for culinary jobs um, Farmington was uh, kind of like one of the very first ones I looked at Um, and kind of glad that I did it now because it was probably one of the Best equivalents to a culinary school that I could find. Sure. Kind of like started at the grill, uh, then went over to Northside, and then you said it went to saucier. So kind of like prog- progressed in a in a nice ladder fashion. So I wasn't too overwhelmed at the beginning, um, and then I knew that's kind of like what I wanted to do in terms of that lifestyle, because um, one one thing like. I'm sure you know, as especially being an early cook or a chef, and this is the, the industry that you want to be in, is that it's it's more of a lifestyle than it is a job. You uh, get out as much as you put into it. Are you gonna Are you gonna take your days off and study? Are you gonna Are you, are you gonna learn and teach yourself? Because no no one is going to do that for you. Sure, is, absolutely. Is as, uh, so, just just the fact that um, this industry just really brings. There's, there's a lot of challenges in terms of um, it could be artistic. It could be scientific. Um, there's a business side of it. There's a hospitality side of it. Um, it, it There's always something new to it. So I, I, I didn't want to get pigeonholed into like a cubicle and just have to do the same thing over and over. Um, so almost it's like it's almost every day. It's like there's there's something else that yeah. you learn especially even gardening maintenance <laughs>
0: that's
1: a quick one um but yeah it's kind oh of my background
0: so so you did you get a bachelor's degree in music i did you did
1: i haven't done anything with it
0: but so you <laughs> I
1: have, I have, <laughs> have in the uh, background in this case
0: all right so i i was a music major uh for a little while i didn't i didn't graduate i i didn't get the degree but um So you get a bachelor's degree in in music, a four year degree, I assume, right? Um, And then you decide, I'm gonna cook. Like what was it that went on in your head that made you go in that direction instead of pursuing music?
1: Um, Even before I decided to enroll for the music degree, I kind of thought about cooking. Um, More so the music degree was just there uh, in case something didn't work out, uh, or if I wanted to continue to go in that direction, say in the future, um, one thing I I did learn about music um, is that it's very challenging to get at the top. Um, there's a lot of prodigies, um, say people that have perfect pitch. Uh, that's a that's a huge advantage. Yeah. Um, and it, it it was something that I grew up loving because I, I went I went to uh uh band I went to band in middle school and that's where I kinda of first started getting into music. Um but then I realized I was using my off time to study cooking instead of music. So that's when I kinda of realized like if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be doing something, I might as well do something that I love and can and can do on my off time as well.
0: Yeah, no, that's important. Uh you know, it's, it's what, what gets you up in the morning, you know, and if, uh, if reading cookbooks was, was that for you, then uh, it sounds like you made the right choice. Do you ever, any point in your career that you regretted uh, your choice?
1: Uh, Up until COVID? (laughs) (laughs) No, not really. Um, It's, Currently, what we're going through right now is, is a bit of a challenge. And I'm honestly really interested to see where the restaurant industry is at um, a year from now. Um, I am lucky to still be uh, cooking in a restaurant that is open uh, and that is still serving guests um, high quality food. So um, as of right now, there's no regrets. Um, yeah. but, if if say robots are cooking all the all the meals twenty years from now, I was like, eh, maybe could have gone down that accountant route.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what what has COVID done? Uh, you know, how are things in Louisville? Am I saying that right? Lou, I know you guys are serious about how people say that. Is it Louisville? Louisville I mean, it sounds, I'm very, familiar, sounds very. Sounds very to me.
1: It's nice. I, I I think it's not Louisville, but it's just
0: Louisville. It's Louisville. Louisville, got it. Uh, so, what w- what has it been like there in, in the various stages of COVID? I mean, how how uh, how much has it decimated the the restaurant scene there?
1: Um. Well, some notable restaurants have closed um, because of it. Um, it's hard to maintain the quality that you are doing uh, with trying to cut staff as much as you can. Um, some restaurants were better set up than others uh, if they had takeout. Um, if it was a sit-down restaurant only and they didn't have patio seating, then it's it's a lot more challenging for them. Luckily, we do have a patio uh, and we can do some outdoor seating, um, but we, um, I believe are still currently around 50% capacity. Um, early in August, we're at 25%. Um, so it's, as a, as a small restaurant, it's it's challenging to uh, see the light at the end of the tunnel, um, especially when we're only at 25% capacity. We're not doing more than 20 people a night uh, to keep on going um, just for the sake of it. Um, in, in terms of... Uh, other challenges in Louisville. Um, I'm sure you, I know you've heard of uh, Brianna Taylor. Yeah, um, sure. and all those protests that have been going on. Um, and those have been going down in downtown Louisville. So, uh, and there was also a protest uh, on Derby near Churchill Downs and we're just a couple of minutes away from there as well. So Louisville has had a bit of a challenge in terms of trying to get everybody in the city on the same page uh, and, and behind the same goal. Um, I know this week uh, they are going to officially announce the decision uh, about the officers on Breonna Taylor. Oh. And I know that's the point, and I know people downtown have already been um, getting prepared for that, uh, boarding up windows. Sure. Just because you don't, you don't know what's, what's going to happen, uh, especially you've heard, we hear sometimes that like there's outside groups of protesters uh, coming in um, out of town and trying to disrupt things. So, um, especially with, I think how media has made COVID so political as well, um, just getting behind everybody wearing masks, going into businesses <sighs> right um it, it, it's just there's a lot of there's a lot of tension sure right now uh with everything um some some restaurants are not wanting to go down anymore say if, if spikes go up just because um they can't afford to right and they would rather take that risk uh to stay open just to keep their business alive sure And who who can blame them at this point? Yeah. Um, But there's a a lot of challenges that COVID has brought. um, And I'm just in one area of it. I'm I'm sure uh, New York is going through its own challenge. I think restaurants are just starting to open back up now at limited capacity. But I can't imagine how many of those restaurants are not going to open back up. Um, And then with the whole PPP and the bailout going out. And you see these big name restaurants like Ruth Chris get uh, two $10 million loans uh, when they're a publicly traded company. Uh, You see the Los Angeles Lakers get $4.2 million. And then you see these small businesses that just asked for about 20,000 and they can't get it. Uh, It's a little disheartening to see the really small businesses um, kind of get screwed the most yeah
0: absolutely.
1: Uh, but uh the the number one goal uh and challenge that i've tried to do is uh try to stay as positive as you can and just move forward you almost have to will positivity um in this climate or else you're just going to get sucked into that vacuum of misery and depression
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. So when, you know, that brings me kind of to, to the the staff morale part of it. How, how many people are working in the kitchen at 610?
1: Uh, currently, right now, uh, we have three. Uh, me, um, an, a hotline cook and a pastry and cold line cook. Right. Uh, have, um, say, like Edward or uh, Kevin, who was a former executive chef, he's going to go open up a, a restaurant in Cincinnati right now. Um, they can help whenever we are get, we do get busy and we do have say some parties across the street. Um, right now, it's pretty much no more than like say five people in the kitchen on a busy night.
0: Yeah. Now, what was that number uh, pre-pandemic?
1: um it was a little like there's typically two people on hot side two people on cold side uh, an expo and then potentially a party person so it could have been six to seven um but this we're we're not even doing the numbers to even uh,
0: (laughs) Uh. yeah i mean you're 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 just not able to keep everybody on board Um, are people furloughed right now or are they laid off indefinitely or what, how, how has that been, uh, handled?
1: Um, for the most part, the people that couldn't find a job, uh, ended up finding something else. Sure. Um, we also use a local, uh, culinary school for some interns for some help. So sometimes we'll have them, sometimes we won't. Right. Um, but uh, I know Milkwood has closed, uh, which is one of the three restaurants Edward had in here uh, in Louisville. And then, so it's just Ossie Whiskey Dry right now. Um, uh, so the people that were at Melkwood, um, unfortunately, um, uh, were let go. And um, I don't think there is. Um, I don't know if I can say if there's any plans to open it back up. Sure, That's sure. Fine. Uh, there, there is a possibility, but I'm I'm not even sure at this point.
0: Right now, you guys, um, six ten Magnolia is known for kind of uh, more innovative dishes and uh, I would say higher end scale. Uh, and you guys started doing these bento boxes. Was that was that like the was was that a product of COVID for takeout or is that something that you guys always did and just adapted it for takeout or uh, how does that work?
1: Um, So across the street, we have this building um, that has a private event space. Um, We call it the wine studio and we can hold up to 35 people Uh, For dinners. Uh, There's also a courtyard for there if people wanted to do kind of like a cocktail party. Right. So we've always used that space um, to do kind of other dinners besides our tasting menu. Um, And we typically do a newsletter uh, that has special dinners. Um, uh, We've done vegan dinners, uh, pasta dinners, uh, French wine dinners, Italian wine dinners, pizza dinners, stuff like
0: that. Right. Um,
1: And just to give people Uh, something else uh, to kind of come out to. Uh, I know Edward has done bento boxes, um, dinners in the past, and I think this was just something that um, uh, he brought back because also the fact that you have your own individual box, nothing's family style, um, was also would be appealing to people that were a little bit hesitant about coming back out uh, to restaurants. COVID. Um, So I guess you could say it was a little bit product of of both, Um, but we have done window boxes in the past, Um, but it's it's just a a fun little uh, party that people can do, Um, but it's kind of like an option. Uh, Sometimes uh, the dinners are on specific dates and there's other times like you can just call and ask for something specific such as like if they want to do a big rose or if they want to do a wedding dinner Um, we'll try to cater as much as we can to them.
0: Sure. Yeah, that's cool. You know, I think the versatility is, is really cool. And I think we're seeing um, a lot of versatility in, in some pretty major restaurants around the country. I mean, Alinea just announced that they're doing Thanksgiving takeout. Um, You know, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it speaks volumes to, you know, the amount of knowledge that goes into what chefs know, you know Uh, yeah, obviously we have to pick a theme and we have to pick a direction and a concept for a restaurant. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, that doesn't mean that, you know, we're necessarily, you know, only able to cook that kind of food. And, and I think one of the, you know, there, there are a few cool things uh, and, and, and positive things that are coming out of, this pandemic, and one of them for me is, you know, the the public, the general public, who's not really in tune, maybe doesn't fully understand what we go through to train to be able to cook the food that we do. You know, they're starting to see, like, you know, uh, you know, Alinea is going to cook turkey dinners. I'm sure they're going to put their twist on it, uh, but they're they're not above that, you know. Uh, a lot of a lot of fine dining restaurants are 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 you know transforming into burger takeout restaurants and and pizza takeout restaurants and all these different concepts that you never thought these chefs uh, or, or these names would would start producing and you know when the world needs us the most and and we we find out that we're essential employees which um is is kind of nice to hear uh but also i think we're discovering some some imbalance there uh as well but you know finding out that we're we're so essential and and everybody now seeing like hey you know this guy doesn't just do this uh or this girl you know is capable of way more than than what her restaurant theme says uh and i and i hope people are are appreciative of that and and you know, kind of uh, impressed by that, and it opens people's eyes to how much knowledge uh, there is involved in what we do, and it's not just, you know, if you watch a, a couple of uh, years of Food Network, then all of a sudden you can you can call yourself an expert on food. So, uh, so I, I think that's kind of cool. I think that's one of the one of the positives that that's come from all this, and and it's just cool to see how everybody's getting creative, thinking outside the box, and. Uh, speaking of outside the box, and I only bring this up because it just popped up in my, my Facebook feed today. Um, so the executive chef of 610 Magnolia, Jeff Potter, uh, you're going to people's houses and actually delivering food for, for a couple of days?
1: Uh, no. Uh, it's uh, a local um, thing that a lot, a lot of the uh, chefs are doing kind of like uh-huh. once a week. Uh, and you're, you're just making this, uh, bag, uh, kind of like swag bag, uh, of the restaurants, um, and, uh, that is pretty much like $50, uh, to buy and $25 of it goes to, uh, I believe apron incorporated, um, as kind of like a donation. Um, nice. So it's, it's, it's a, just a big, uh, donation for kind of like, um, all, all the, the restaurants struggling and kind of like the industry. So, uh, just doing what we can do to, uh kind of like help out as we can
0: sure yeah it's kind of like i guess a collaborative effort then it's not something exclusive to your restaurant
1: Oh no, yeah it's it, it's uh barbetti did it uh, last week and then we're doing it this week um and then uh, i think it's up until the end of november um that okay. chefs are doing it um so we just decided to do uh. Some beef bulgogie lettuce wraps. Uh, you also get a twenty five dollar gift certificate, six ten, and then a bottle of Edward Lee hot sauce.
0: Nice. Do you actually do the Vanna White thing that I saw in the Facebook thing? Because you were like really you were really kind of selling the the display there. Is that is that part of the deal or you just drop it and go?
1: Um I that was just uh, me doing a, a photo shoot to help promote it. <laughs> and following the photographers
0: <laughs> got it so you know you're you're at 610 and you started there what was your position when you started there
1: um i started over on cold side yeah kind of garbage day. and then about a month in i went to uh, uh the hot side kind of the uh, flat top station mm-hmm. month in went to the saute position and then um kind of just been uh i was kind of like legal and cook and then kind of just try to take over a sous chef and just help as much as, as much as i can with other uh, parts um of the company moving uh whiskey dry open so then kevin went up to the culinary director of all the restaurants in louisville which right. made the chef team uh spot open for 610 uh and then just decided to work uh and then just try best to try to figure it out get better um and then with uh kevin opening up uh quora um next month uh at least the executive chef uh, position open so it's kind of just from the from the bottom up
0: yeah that's awesome man good for you so you know i always wonder and i'm sure a lot of people listening wonder uh you know the, the restaurant 610 Magnolia is, is an Edward Lee restaurant and he's, you know, James Beard award winner, uh, the mind of a chef. And, um, you know, he's doing the, the Lee initiative, which we'll talk about, uh, in a little bit, you know, incredible impact on, on the culinary world and, and a huge name in the industry. Uh, so he's got all these restaurants. He's got restaurants in DC and Louisville, um, he's in Maryland also, is that right? I believe so yes. Yeah, so he's kind of all over the place. Most people in the industry know who he is, and 610 Magnolia certainly has a reputation that precedes itself. Uh, but he's the headliner. He is the guy uh, who is the brains behind the concept and the concept wouldn't exist without him. But you know, it's it's always fascinating to me that you know behind, that name is the, the, the team, you know, the, there is an executive chef of the restaurant and, you know, I, I don't think it's common enough for people to really meet those people and know how that is. So like the first question is, you know, what's it like being the executive chef of a place that has such a big headline name there? Is it, is it as cool as I imagine or is there some other stuff that comes along with it?
1: Um, I would, I would say it's, it's pretty cool in the fact that, uh, you get a lot of, uh, different guests and, um, just because we're a small restaurant and, uh, uh, Edward Lee restaurant, we are kind of a destination restaurant. So a lot of people travel around the country. Uh, sometimes they do a bourbon, um, uh, tasting down the bourbon trail and decide they want to have dinner here. Um. Sometimes we'll get somebody from California that said they flew out just to eat here. Uh, That's kind of mind boggling to me (laughs) um, from my point of view, but uh, I can understand like, just because of how much uh, media exposure Edwards had, um, how much people know him, uh, they're willing to do all that. He can come into the dining room and pretty much just like make everybody happy just just for the fact of his presence and go to tables and either take pictures or sign cookbooks. so seeing people get that reaction um makes my job a little bit easier sure. uh, when you are um because it instantly makes them happy i would say the the biggest challenge though is the expectations uh that come with that restaurant um or that type of restaurant just because uh people come and they they eat at an edward lee restaurant um uh, they don't really know jeff Potter. Really, who's in the back? Are who even the like care about who the dishwasher is making sure that everything's good to go for them? Uh, so, I I honestly don't mind uh, not really being in the spotlight. Um, that's never been uh, a priority or a reason why I got into cooking or even why I came to this restaurant. More um, the lure to this restaurant, uh, why I came to it was. Um, I, my is South Korean, uh, so, uh, the South of the kind of like Korean Southern fusion. Um, I didn't really see any, any, many other restaurants doing it. So, uh, I felt like that was almost like my type of cuisine. So I wanted to see kind of, uh, what the, what, one of the best restaurants on the city or in the, in the country, um, is doing for that type of cuisine. So that's kind of like what led me here. Um, but uh, having, having Edward here and having um, even just like say his resources is, is a great help because he uh, knows a, a lot of purveyors um, that I, I haven't heard of and, and can great, get some great ingredients from that I've never sure. uh, worked with. Um, so it, it's, it's challenging on both sides to um, the hit the expectation of kind of like greatness and making sure that... Uh, people just didn't travel uh, across the country for a mediocre meal. Um, but I, I also uh, honestly like that pressure. Um, I, I feel like I do better in high pressure situations. Right. And something's on the line. Um, it, just, it just makes it, I guess, feel more meaningful uh, at the end that, you 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 did it.
0: Sure. So how how much input do you have with menu development and and the creative process?
1: A uh, great deal. Um, I pretty much I would, I would say eighty percent of the menu is me. Um, there's a couple of dishes uh, that I really can't change, or um, I would say have become signatures here. Um, so there's no really point of changing it. Uh, so say we have a bourbon aficionado dessert, um, that's been on here since I've ever been here. And, uh, it, it's always a crowd pleaser, so if, if it works, uh, everybody if have it, if it ain't bourbon I fix it.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, and
1: then the, uh, amuse-bouche is the 610 BLT, uh, and that's kind of an ode to Edward, uh, cause he already, he always started his shifts, uh, with the BLT. Uh, so it's a way for the guests to kind of like start the, the night like you're eating with Edward. Um, so th- those couple of things I can't really change, but I don't really want to change just because they're so, uh, such a signature for the restaurant. But in terms of the actual menu development, um, yeah, I, I have a great deal of input.
0: Nice. That's and then awesome.
1: I, I just run it by uh, Edward to see if he has any input to say and then it goes on.
0: Uh, is there like a big tasting that happens before you come out with new items, or is it just you know roll with it?
1: Um, we'll roll with it in terms if we're just kind of like changing garnishes, uh, say we're changing like uh, sunchokes, potatoes, uh, something like that uh, in terms of changing the actual dish uh, we try to do um, develop the dish uh, within a week and then do uh, the tasting um say we're open on Tuesdays, uh, we typically uh, do wine pairings, tastings as well, uh, just to make sure that um, it does go with it. Um, There could be funky flavors. I know Kimchis are a difficult uh, thing to pair with. Um, And then honestly, like I uh, am for doing a uh, kind of like a beverage, Tasting menu or uh, pairing with it uh, that has cocktails and beers. Uh, it doesn't have to strictly be wine. Um, sometimes we do have uh, beers or a cocktail uh, pairings with it, um, which are fun. Um, Save more shandies in the summer. I sure. uh, can do like more stout in the, in, in the winter um, just to try to uh, change it up a bit. Um, so I, I know there are. Uh, some people that are strictly wine, um, they don't, they don't want to deviate from that. Um, and so we always try to have something, uh, available for them as well.
0: Sure. So, so here's kind of, a uh, a, a different kind of question here. Um, now you're, you're not allowed to be in the COVID world when I ask you this question. Okay. So pretend there is no global pandemic. What do you wish was different about the industry? Good question.
1: Um, I would say, uh, in all honesty, the respect for the, the workers, um,
0: Respect from who?
1: I I would say for your customers, um, in terms of knowing that everything is not uh, always possible. Um, You can't always get the freshest ingredients every single day uh, and be cost-effective with it. Uh, In in terms of um, just uh, knowing um, that say servers are humans too. Um, they're not just the person that just brings you the food. Um, what, what you said earlier about the fact that now we're essential workers, um, I, I think people are a little bit more understanding about that now uh, and know that kind of like what, what the average person goes through. Um, I think that uh, say companies like Amazon have made things way too convenient uh, for the average consumer and the average American, especially when, uh, prime two day, uh, shipping became a thing. I remember growing up, it was four to six weeks. Um, Now it's kind of like, now people expect, uh, things and, um, almost immediately in terms of convenience. Uh, and that's also, um, gone to the restaurant industry, um, seeing 24 hour places, um, it's not always easy for the business to do stuff like that. And um, when they try to be as accommodating uh, to customers and um, still people will complain they have to wait too long or um, it's not up to par or why are they paying this, this price? Um, I, I, I think that's more understanding from them. And I, and I, I don't want to bash customers because um, they are the, the the lifeblood of
0: all restaurants sure um
1: and i um, and and not all of them uh I, i'm talking about are like that um I'm, I'm fortunate to work at a restaurant that has uh really understanding customers um but i know um it and i know you said uh not in a COVID word world but uh when say like grocery store workers um were trying to uh, be uh, as accommodating as they could, as they can, uh, they got a lot of backlash from uh, customers and people thinking that uh, they always know what's right. Um, and, and maybe that's one challenge too, saying a fine dining restaurants is that there's a lot of terms um, that people may not know um, and to try to educate them uh, is almost insulting to them sometimes because they think they know. Um, sure. Especially say like, oh, this is a medium rare steak, and and it could be perfectly cooked, and they wouldn't an update. But, uh, but there's no point of arguing with them. You you want to the whole point we're in this industry is because of hospitality. We want to try to please them as much as um, possible. Um, but some appreciation for uh not say just the head chef or the the general manager but for the bus boy or for the dishwasher um is i i i think there could be more um understanding behind that
0: yeah like, sure a lot of people you know a lot of people don't get that you know because they they don't see the kitchen, right? They they sit down and they want dinner or lunch or whatever it is. They order their food and they just expect that they're going to get it, you know, as quickly as possible and correct and 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 all that, uh, all that jazz. But you know, they don't they don't get that. You know, there is a crew that needs to be paid to wash the silverware and the plateware. Um, you know, the glassware needs to be washed. The kitchen needs to be cleaned by a crew, whether it's the cooks or, or the dishwashers or a combination of both the servers, the bussers, the runners, the managers. I mean, there are so many moving parts from a labor perspective. Um, you know, and we are, you're right. We are in a, in a very on demand, uh, generation now. And, you know, things like Amazon are, are a big part of that. I I think the restaurant industry has been like that for a while now. Um, Mm -hmm and, and maybe has gotten a little bit worse over the years, but you know, you're, you're right. It's uh, you know, it's, it's not about bashing customers. I think it's more, you know, the, the there, there are the, the great guests that come in and are understanding and get it in uh, every restaurant, every operation has some percentage of guests that show up once in a while uh, that are just a little bit impractical. And what I try to explain to people is, we might be the only industry, uh, and, and if we're not the only one, we're, we're one of a very few that is tasked with the responsibility to produce a product by hand from scratch to order all day, every day. You know, you, you can't walk up a, up to somebody on the street and say, hey, you know, bang me out a pair of Nikes and, and just get it. You know, it, it doesn't work that way with, with any other product. Uh, But that's what we do, you know, and people, you know, sometimes people show up and, you know, they want to eat and that's when they want to eat. And I showed up, you know, 30 minutes ago and I still don't have my food, Um, you know, and and I feel fortunate too, to be at a place where I I don't deal with a whole lot of that. But, you know, you kind of think about it and you're like, if you wanted to eat right now, then you should have gotten here 30 minutes ago and you would be eating right now. (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's like I that. that, that, What's that? Food,
1: I feel, I feel the worst for say fast food workers because when all the restaurants closed, uh, people were just going to them because I was the only thing open sure. and they were short staffed and, uh, people were complaining that they were waiting 30 minutes for fast food. It's like, well, yep. what do you expect? You can or you can go cook it yourself or if, and and if they're the only restaurant or, cooking happening, like kind of have to go by their pace, even, even though it might not be ideal. Um, they're, they're not having that much fun either.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it speaks volumes too, to that point. Um, you know, when, when a company like McDonald's has to, uh, limit their drive through menu Mm -hmm. and, and actually make it smaller to be able to shave like uh you know two minutes off the wait time to make sure that everybody's happy and they can and they can do the volume obviously but uh you know to to mitigate some of those complaints that people have you know it's you got to ask yourself like what what's going on here you know um you know it's kind of like you know we're 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 essential and we get that uh there are a lot of issues to deal with there now that we know that we're essential definitely some imbalances have come to light with that. But it's it's also, you know, and, and believe me, I want to have job security like anybody. And I'm grateful that I know how to cook and that people will always need to eat. And mm-hmm. I will, uh, you know, hopefully always have a job or be able to find a job at any given point because of that. Uh, so, you know, I'm not trying to say like, you know, I, I'm, I'm ungrateful for people going out to eat because I am truly grateful. And, and uh, i want them to keep going out but there is a little bit of uh, of interest i have in the fact that you know we are essential like like restaurants are essential there are people that just do not know how to cook and it's a little bit scary you know i mean when you think about history and where we came from and and people you know our ancestors living off the land and, and being able to take care of themselves and you flash forward to now and, and there are literally people who just, they, they, they might not survive, you know, if, if they couldn't come out to a restaurant and, uh, and that's, that's pretty, pretty crazy to me. I mean, I feel like that's something that needs to be addressed when you walk through the supermarket, you know, guys like us walk through the supermarket at the beginning of COVID everybody's freaking out because all these things aren't on the shelf anymore. But then I look at the things that are still on the shelf and I'm like, I'm fine with this. Oh, of we, course. Can, <laughs> we can, we can make a meal with this. Uh, but you know, the first thing that goes is all the flour, you know, like all of a sudden everybody's baking bread. I mean, the there, there must've been so much shitty bread flying around, <laughs> flying around this country at the beginning of COVID, I I can't even imagine, but, um, you know, I, I I think people, you know, I'm grateful that they come to us and I'm happy to cook for people and it's a beautiful thing. Uh, but you know, it's, this is kind of eye-opening with regard to people who really truly rely on that for their nourishment. And if you're in that situation and you feel like, you know, you have to go out to eat and that's great, you know, for us, um, you know, go out to eat, but be a little bit understanding, you know, don't make it don't make it our our problem that, you know, all of a sudden you you need to eat right now. Um, so I get what you're saying. Uh, and I also understand what you say when you say you don't want to, you know, we don't want to sound like we're complaining about the customers. We love the, the customer. We love the guests. Uh, and that's why we do this. You know, if it weren't for you, they, they, we wouldn't get as much enjoyment out of it. But, um, you know, we, a cooking class wouldn't hurt. You know, that's all I'm saying. One one or two cooking classes wouldn't hurt. Um, well,
1: I'm like, interested, like, say, with uh, Blue Apron and uh, all those, like, uh, kits that people can take home and then basically just watch a YouTube video. It's yeah. like, is, is that going to become uh, the future? Because um, the, one, the one thing I'm interested in is, say, like, when the vaccine comes out, is that going to make people come out even more? Or is... It's so political now that when the vaccine comes out, they think like, "Oh no, I'm not gonna take this because uh, because the government doesn't want me." And then it, it and then it, we can't get past this pandemic for another couple of months. Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of really interested to see like how how quickly we can get back to. I don't I don't know if we're gonna get back to exactly where we were, but at least get back to on on the up.
0: Sure. Yeah. I'm with you, man. Um, so, you know, where, where do you, you let, let's pretend that, you know uh, it's, it's a year from now or however long COVID is gone. Everything settles down. Uh, things go back to, to whatever normal is going to be. Um, you know, where do you go from here? I mean, you're, you're the executive chef of a very prominent restaurant. Uh, it, it, you, you, you could pretty much go wherever you want. What, do, what are you thinking? I mean, do you, do you uh, continue in the small restaurant uh, world? Are you, are you thinking about opening your own thing one day or?
1: Um, it's always on the back of your mind um, what the next step is. Um, I try to keep myself, I guess as open as possible um, just because you don't know what opportunities are gonna come down the line. Um, so I don't wanna say like, oh, in five years from now, I'm gonna be here um, and then something, something happens three years from now and then blows that all up. Um, I would say in all honesty that uh, for the past 10 years, I've been more career driven Um, I think maybe my next, uh, move might be more personal driven, um, just to see if, if I can get, um, more, I don't want to say time off to, uh, develop a personal life, um, and then potentially build a family. Uh, but that's always challenging, uh, to, to anybody in this industry um, I I like the uh, appeal of small restaurants um, just because you can have more of, uh, I guess, your signature on them. However, I understand the business side of larger restaurants. Um, they come with larger paychecks. Uh, I don't know if that's something that would interest me more down the line. Um, maybe if... I had a couple of kids, <laughs> a, large, a larger paycheck would be uh, more beneficial. Sure. Um, but that's, that's, that's kind of the challenge because um, uh, my, my goal was to uh, succeed here, um, but I didn't really have my next step plans um, after that. Um, so um, it's, it's, it's kind of up in the air right now. I, I'm happy where I am right now. I see myself being here for uh, at least a couple more years, um, but uh, in terms of the next step, I, th- I think it's going to be more uh, personal-driven um, and more uh, favorable schedule. Um, and uh, I don't know if I'll still be in Louisville or if um, another city uh, opens up that I I love. I would love I would love to travel more. Sure. To kind of see kind of like what's out there in terms of restaurants. Um I would love to learn from a, a Michelin store restaurant. Um but um I I I in in my heart of hearts I know that like eventually you you can you can do as much learning as possible but eventually you just gotta take the leap and you you just gotta put yourself out there and you just gotta say this is my food. Uh, and you, you, you either like it or you don't. Um, it's, it's a, it will be a tough leap because I, I know people come here um, already with the illusion of Edward Lee um, and they already expect delicious food. Right. Um, but in, in terms of um, you, you you could always be the sous chef at a three Michelin star restaurant. You could always be a line cooking. You, you could always learn more because there's, you're never going to learn everything there needs to know about food. That, sure. that's, that's one thing I've, I've, I've learned. I learned quick is there, there is so much about food that there you, you just can't learn at all.
0: Sure, so,
1: man. um, I don't know. I, 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 I see myself um, trying to, um, Try, trying to better my own happiness, not to say that I'm not happy right now, um, but that, that's the kind of like path um, that I would go down is wherever makes me more happy, whether that be um, a smaller town or a large restaurant, it, time will tell.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, that's the chef's American dream, right? To find balance and, and uh, you know, a life outside of the kitchen. So that's, uh, that's what we're all striving for. Mm-hmm. Um, well, cool. So the, real quick, I just want to touch on, it. I, I can't talk about, um, you know, any, any of the Edward Lee properties without recognizing the Lee initiative. Uh, and, and I know that you're not uh, intimately involved with the execution of, of Lee initiative, but you know more about it than I do. And, and I want to make sure, uh, you know, people hear about, what's, what's going on there. So, uh, Edward created, uh, Lee initiative and it's correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, it's, it's helping local farms, local businesses. Um, why don't you kind of pick up, uh, uh, on that for me? So, uh,
1: yeah, Edward and, uh, Lindy created the Lee initiative. Um, it originally started as, uh, it was called the smoke and soul initiative and it was just to try to, get local kids um, some experience in the restaurants uh, and then try to just get uh, some of them experience in the business world as well, um, to just try to help out the local community as much as possible. Uh, and then when the uh, Me Too movement happens um, and it hit restaurants hard, um, Edwards and Lizzie's response was to start a Women Chefs of Kentucky uh, program uh, which um, finds five uh, local um, young culinarian women uh, and then uh, mentors them with uh, mentorship at a uh, another city with a uh, famous um, female chef. And then they get to do a dinner at the James Beard House. Nice. Um, and that went on for, that, ha- that was two years ago. Uh, we just had our third class this year until the... Uh, COVID happened. Um, So uh, Lindsay found a great way to pivot uh, those funds. Um, And actually Maker's Mark helped us out too uh, in securing some funds to uh, help out with some relief kitchens. Um, It first started in Louisville. uh, And basically anybody that had a restaurant uh, stub or proof that you worked at a restaurant, um, you would come, you get a free meal. Uh, We also handed out supplies such as diapers, toilet paper, paper towels, body soap, uh, hand soap, um, food, um, cereal, and and just trying to get as many donations uh, from uh, the city as possible. Um, And then it grew to, uh, I wanna say, close to 15 to 20 cities around the country
0: uh,
1: of relief kitchens. Um, She was able to secure funding for that. I know there's some in Los Angeles and Seattle, New York, uh, Nashville, um, Chicago, as as many places as we could possibly hit, and now the next step of that program is to uh, help uh, reopen these restaurants uh, with some of the local farms, Um, so they're taking two um, restaurants in each city uh, that are minority-owned or are owned by women um, and using two of their favorite farms and trying to uh, provide funding so they don't have to uh, shut down and they can continue getting from the local farms um, it's it's grown uh, immensely in the past couple of months from what it initially was um, I know I know now uh, we're trying we, we're still running um, uh, relief kitchens with uh, a uh relief kitchen um, named after uh, David McAtee who was um, unfortunately uh, shot down uh, during the the protests, um, and that was just a way to honor him. And, uh, the amazing thing is, is the person that's running that, uh, was one of the first people in the smoke and Soul initiative and was actually part of the first class of the women chefs, uh, of Kentucky, um, Nakia, um, Rhodes. And, uh, it's, it's amazing to see how, how much she's grown and into a leader. Yeah. um, (laughs) And she's uh, currently a culinary instructor at a, uh, at a high school. So um, it's, it's nice to see the community of chefs across the country just come together um, for the same cause. Um, we're all kind of on the same page of we just want to uh, help out the workers, help out the, the local um, people that aren't able to get Um, supplies or food Um, so it was it was really encouraging to see how many people um, stepped up and uh, volunteered and just just made it happen really yeah
0: that's awesome that that's a really cool uh, cool initiative and I poked around on the website last week and it's I mean it's pretty enormous I mean there's there's a lot of different kind of divisions of the Lee Initiative and uh, it, it's pretty impressive and, and really cool to see, you know, uh, somebody like Edward Lee kind of using their their clout in the industry and, and their their name to to give back and 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 do do really good things for others in the industry. So so that's awesome. So that is if anybody wants to check that out, uh, you would go to Leeinitiative.org um, check out the website. It, it's really cool. I mean, there's so many different, uh, directions that they're going to help people out. And, uh, it's pretty impressive. Uh, certainly if you're, if you're interested to, uh, be a part of that, just check out, uh, LeeInitiative.org and Uh, you can find out everything you need to know to contribute if you're interested. Um, that's, that's, that's uh, that's pretty much our time. Um, Yeah. I want to thank you again. I'm, I'm super proud of you, man. I mean, it's awesome to, to see where you are now. And, uh, you know, I know you're in the right place because I, I knew you six years ago when I started at Farmington and, um, you know, you had that, you had that passion for food. Um, you know, you had the, the, the passion for the science of food. So it's, it's not surprising to me that you are where you are now And I I couldn't be happier for you. Uh,
1: Well, I'll say I wouldn't be where I am right now if it wasn't for you and Charlie helping me out. So.
0: Oh, thanks, man. I mean, that means a lot. Yeah, yeah, no, man. It's, it's, that's, that's what it's all about, Um, you know, paying it forward. And I know you and, and, and I know you're going to do the same for people that are working for you. Uh, I see you gave recognition. You're, you're not on social media a whole lot. Uh, but I, I have seen you give recognition to uh, some people,
1: hard to get into uh, yeah, me. I hear
0: you, I hear you, but I, I have seen you give some recognition to your team and that's really cool. Um, cause you know, we, we couldn't do it without them. Oh, so that's awesome. Without a doubt. <laughs> yeah, man.
1: Nothing without my team.
0: No way, man. It, it's, it's, I, I wouldn't be able to be speaking to you right now if I didn't have a team holding down dinner service tonight. So, Yeah, man. It's all good stuff. Well, thanks again, chef. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe in a little while, maybe season two, we can do a follow-up and see, see where you're at, see where things are. You know, we might be, hopefully we're post COVID by then. And, uh, and we can talk about it, but, uh, but thanks again, man, stay safe out there and stay in touch. Keep me posted on, on what's going on, all the cool things you guys are doing. And and I probably will call you and ask if you can get me an interview with the with the man one day, um, but you know we'll we'll see. I'm I'm happy to talk to you, and I'm glad you uh, were able to share your story with everybody. And mm-hmm. uh, it's good stuff, man. So take care, stay safe, and we'll talk soon, man. Kitchen brain. All right. All right. Take it easy. You too.